Rick Dayton Show is on the air and continuing this day before Thanksgiving. Even though we've got a holiday coming up, we're still getting smarter together, and we're going to the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline right now to be joined by a professor of medicine at the University of Pittsburgh, teaches in the hematology and oncology areas, also is the director of Hemophilia Center of Western Pennsylvania. Please welcome into the program Dr. Margaret Ragney. Maggie, how are you? Very good. Thanks for inviting me. I am really, really fascinated by this uh, published work that was just put out in the New England Journal of Medicine that is talking about the results of a clinical test that took place at multiple institutions, including at the University of Pittsburgh that, that you led, that is talking about using gene therapy to help with uh, bleeding issues. So, I'm not exactly sure where to begin. Let's start, first of all, though, with hemophilia A, and that's the, the condition that you were looking at at using this gene therapy to help solve or to, to help deal with. Help us understand what that is first, okay? Sure. Uh, and this is a very, very timely, exciting time for hemophilia. So hemophilia A is a deficiency of factor VIII. That's what's important to make clots. So someone who has hemophilia A has trouble making a clot and has bleeding problems into joints, into muscles, uh, and other body cavities. So you can imagine uh, the burden of disease. And so if we can figure out a way uh, to really reduce this burden, that would be great. Currently, if you have hemophilia, you have to take clotting factor three or four times a week. That is very difficult. It's given by an IV. Uh, it's uh, hard to, to follow uh, that on a routine basis. Uh, it is expensive. It is invasive. Uh, it sort of changes your life. So is there a way to avoid this? And we're showing in this study that indeed there is a one-and-done approach. In other words, a one-time infusion of gene therapy Cause, and this is the first time it was ever demonstrated that there was durable factor VIII production that you could measure in the bloodstream with 90% reduction in bleeds and 90% reduction in use of clotting factor. That is really a great set of news for patients with hemophilia A. So the thing that I'm not exactly sure which is more significant, is it more significant that we're talking about that the infusion of gene therapy worked as well as it did or that the duration lasted as long as it did? Which is more significant in your estimation? Well, well, they're one and the same. Okay. If you want a, an, a gene to be effective, you want it to be durable so that in previous studies, there was a 50% decline in the factor VIII production, and that was really not acceptable for patients with hemophilia and these bad bleeds. So what you want is a continuous, non-falling production of factor VIII, and that's what this showed. So that's what's critical to prevent bleeds. I want you to help people understand as we move on to the next subject here with Dr. Maggie Ragney. Again, she is a professor in the School of Medicine, Hematology, and Oncology at Pitt. Also is the director of the Hemophilia Center of Western Pennsylvania. When we say gene therapy, when you are talking about that, help us to understand basically uh, what that is in, in, in simpler terms, if you will, rather than just the, the term gene therapy that most of us don't understand what it is. Well, I like to draw pictures and think about it as a truck with cargo going into a garage. And here, the garage is the hepatocyte, the liver cell. And the truck 
is the virus vector that takes the gene, which is the cargo, into the liver cell and allows the liver cell then to start making factor eight under the directions of the gene and vector. I think most of us hear virus and that scares us. I mean, we all know obviously okay, what's gone on, right? Yeah. So if we're saying we're introducing a virus to carry the gene into the liver cells, doesn't that scare people? And, and perhaps what kind of virus are you using? Okay, so we're using a virus that is completely cleared of all its infections so that the only aspect of the virus present is its ability to get into a cell. So uh, this is an AAV, which is adeno-associated virus we're all exposed to as kids mm-hmm. and adults, and it doesn't cause disease. So, But it is cleared out of all of its infectious parts so that all you have is a shell, which is this truck I'm trying to show you yeah, here, right. with a cargo, which is the factor eight gene. And so then that ends up getting into the body and the instructions then are carried along with that gene as to what the body is supposed to do to be able to create its own clotting factor. Is that right? Indeed. Yes, indeed. You've got it. Okay. So then the next step in this whole thing is you're saying a 90% reduction in bleeding and 90% reduction in terms of the amount of factor that is needed to do this. The longevity of it, do you know at this point how much... Uh, how long it's going to last. I, I mean, we're early enough in the study, I understand, but do you have a sense for that? So the study went for two years. So anything beyond that, we're, we would have to speculate or say we suspect this or go back to animal models. But we know that this first two years predicts what you'd expect to see in years to come. I mean, time will tell, but we really for the first time have something that has lasted so long with no loss of that factor eight expression uh, and measure in the bloodstream that we have a sense it's going to be there for some time to come. Um, What's also really interesting, the reason we think that it was perhaps better than previous studies that lost their level is it actually was a lower dose of this virus factor eight gene combination that caused less problems and and allowed it to work without falling uh, levels falling so uh, it produced about a 10 to 15 percent level And that is simply all that's needed to prevent bleeds. And that's what's really nice. That's what I think allowed it to be less toxic and longer acting. I think you have a future in science. I, I think that you've got a real, a real. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Maggie, thank you so much for helping us to understand, because I think oftentimes we hear these buzzwords that are thrown out there and, and we pretend that we think we know what exactly it means. But I think that the analogy of a truck delivering cargo and putting it in the garage, that is something that we can truly understand the way the virus is carrying the gene and taking it into those liver cells. I mean, this has been very, very helpful. So thank you very much. And congratulations on the publication and the great work that's being done here in Pittsburgh, and thank well, you for well, sharing. Well, I'd like to thank all the patients that participated. Right. I am de- We're indebted to them, and uh, we work as a team. Multiple centers were involved, so thank you for asking me to join your program. Well, we very much appreciate it. Dr. Margaret Ragney, again, the University of Pittsburgh, doing incredible, incredible work right here in our neighborhood.